Hello, I'm Mark Rees, and welcome to my Curious Podcast, where in each episode I investigate a different weird and wonderful subject. And this time out, I'll be looking at a real-life ghost story, which made headline news in the Victorian newspapers, drove an entire city mad talking about it, and then, like that, just disappeared overnight and was forgotten from history. Until I came along a century or so later and went looking for evidence. And what I particularly like about this story is that it was seriously investigated by the police. Because more often than not, if a ghost is reported to the police, they're going to assume it's somebody's imagination running wild with them. But in this case, the police had to investigate. And the reason for that is because this ghost led to some hard physical evidence that they could not ignore. And that evidence was skeletal remains buried in somebody's back garden. Now, that is so incredibly rare. I'm going to repeat that so you don't think you imagined it. The police had to seriously investigate a ghost because that ghost led to the discovery of parts of a skeleton buried in a garden. Now, that is a rare ghost story. And what I also particularly like about this story is the fact that there were multiple witnesses to this ghost, which makes it more difficult to just dismiss as if it had been one person who'd had one too many in the pub, say. This was seen by a lot of people, including a journalist who, very helpfully from my point of view, recorded a lot of these stories for his newspaper, which is where I was able to get a lot of the information from. But I am getting ahead of myself slightly there. I should begin at the beginning, as as Dylan Thomas once said, as the most famous person from Swansea once said, which is quite appropriate, because this tale does take place in Swansea the second biggest city in Wales, and if you haven't listened to it already, after this it might be worth listening to my previous podcast on the Swansea Devil, which also takes place in Victorian Swansea, back when it was a town, before it became a city. And I should explain very quickly before we we get into the details. This is a story that I've cobbled together, <laughs> cobbled together. This is a story that I've, I've carefully, carefully constructed from first-hand newspaper accounts from the time. This is a story which, which ran for, for several days and, and was picked up in various different newspapers. And so I've, I've gathered together all of the available information, tried to put it together in some, some chronological order. And so the story that you're about to hear is not just one single account rehashed into a podcast. Rather, I've had to do some detective work to put these various strands together and and to present them in such a way where, hopefully, it it makes a, a coherent story. Now, this story is called A Ghost to Rival Hamlet's Father. The reason for that will become clear later on. And as mentioned, it takes place 
in Swansea in the late 19th century. And the events are focused around a house in York Street. And usually when I, when I tell these kind of ghost stories, I, I don't like specifying exactly which property it might be, because if, if it is a residential property, um, you know, th- things change, times move on, and I don't want to destroy um, <laughs> you know, the, the value of somebody's house by saying there might be a ghost in there. But luckily in this case, um, well, luckily for the sake of my story, those houses have since been demolished. So I can quite safely say it was in number three York Street, which is no longer there. But as far as I can tell, um, you know, even just from looking at Google Maps and things, you can work out that this is where View Cinema now stands. So where View Cinema is, this is in that, that rough area of York Street where this haunting was said to be taking place. Now, living in that house was a Mr. and Mrs. Bond. And it was late one night when Mr. Bond was out and about. I, I don't know where he, he was like, working or somewhere, or if it's if it's anything like it is nowadays. Maybe he was on, on Wine Street next door having a pint. I don't, I don't know. But he wasn't in the house. And Mrs. Bond, Caroline Bond, was in the house alone. She was in the kitchen, and it was at 11 o'clock that she heard... As I've mentioned on previous podcasts, special effects are not my speciality, but I think I think they were pretty good. There's, there's more special effects coming up. But she heard these three bangs at her window. She walked over towards the window and peered outside into the darkness. And she could see what appeared to be a ghostly figure standing there with its arm outstretched beckoning her with a finger to come outside. Now, Mrs. Bond, quite sensibly, and unlike every person you've ever seen in a horror film ever, decides not to go outside. I'll stay indoors where it's nice and safe and warm. Thank you very much. Ghosts can stay outside. The ghost seemingly went away. Her husband came home, they went to bed, they went to sleep, and that, seemingly, was that. Until the next time her husband was out at night, and she was left home alone in the kitchen at 11 o'clock, and there was a the same three knocking sounds once more. And this time, she had a good idea of what to expect to find outside. She went back to the window, peered outside, and sure enough, there was that ghostly figure once more. Now, this time, she was a little bit more shaken up. Her husband came back, they had a chat about it, And the next day, she spoke to some of her friends and some of her neighbours. And she said, look, there's something strange going on. I don't know quite what it is, but would you mind joining me in my kitchen at night just to see if something happens when there's other people with me? And if so, you can witness it as well. Now, Swansea was a 
uh, a gossipy place back then. Maybe it still is, that, that, that's not for me to say, but certainly back then it was a gossipy place. Word spread like wildfire. And word reached my, my former employer. They pop up a lot in these podcasts. But my former employer, the South Wales Evening Post, which at the time was known as the South Wales Daily Post. And a reporter from the South Wales Daily Post popped along to see Mrs Bond and he explained that he'd heard there was going to be a gathering there of friends and family to try and catch this ghost. And would it be okay if he joined them to see for himself what was going on and to write about it for the paper? Now, this is one of the best sources I have of this story, so I'm glad he did pop along and decide to cover it. She agreed. Yes, of course you can. And that night, they all gathered in wait. Now, Mrs. Bond was there, some friends and some family, and a brave journalist as well. And as the clock struck 11, nothing happened. So Mrs. Bond said, well, let's, let's give it five minutes, shall we? So they waited until five past 11, when nothing happened. Now, as somebody pointed out, you know, you can't rely on ghosts to be punctual. Who, who knows what, what they've got to do? But they said, well, we'll give it five more minutes. We'll wait until ten past eleven, when... That time, there came the three bangs at the window that they had been waiting for. Mrs Bond led them to the window. They looked outside... And they could all see what appeared to be a ghostly shape in the darkness, outside, in the garden, beckoning them with a finger to join them outside. And this time, with her courage boosted by having all these, these friends and family and, and that tough journalist with, with her, she went outside. Now, I'm going to go off on a, on a tangent very quickly here and talk about... Victorian beliefs and, and expectations of ghosts. And this is, this is something I'll go into in much more depth on a, on a later podcast. But for the sake of this story, I think it's worth pointing out that for a lot of people then, ghosts were expected to have some kind of useful purpose. And, and what I mean by that is nowadays, we might see ghosts on a, on a Hollywood film and they're only there to scare the hell out of people. That's it. They jump up, people get scared, and that, that's their sole purpose. But back then, if we think of the most famous ghosts from the Victorian period, or from, from any period, they would probably be Charles Dickens's ghost from A Christmas Carol. And those ghosts, as, as terrifying as they might have been for Scrooge during that story, nevertheless, they were there for a purpose. They were not there to scare him for a laugh. They were there to scare him to, to presumably to save his soul, to save him from damnation from the same fate that, that Jacob Marley had suffered. And so with this in mind, when Victorians saw or thought of ghosts, they were hoping these ghosts had some kind of useful message to pass on from beyond the grave, not just there to make them shake like jelly. And so they saw this ghost in the garden who appeared to be hovering over a particular spot. Some say his hands 
which had been used previously to summon them from out of the kitchen, were now being used to point down at this spot as well. This ghost was seemingly drawing their attention to that spot on the ground. So they put two and two together and assumed this ghost was trying to pass on a message that there was something in the ground underneath where it hovered that was important. And so two men picked up shovels, went to that spot, and they began to dig. And they dug, and they dug, and they dug until one of them hit a... I really am getting my money's worth with with sound effects on this episode. Until one of them hit something solid. They bent down into the ground, and they picked up, they picked up this, this, this object from the earth. Now, luckily, for dramatic purposes, the journalist wrote that that night there was a full moon in the Swansea sky. It was perfect conditions for a ghost story. The ultimate gothic setting. Just imagine maybe a few clouds just slowly floating past that full moon as that man lifted that object out of the ground and held it aloft into the sky where it was illuminated. And they could see what he had found was a piece of a skull. There were skeletal remains in a garden in York Street in Swansea, which had been discovered thanks to the help of a ghost. Now, the journalist went back to work, typed up this story as quickly as he could, and this is back in the days when newspapers were printed at least twice a day, if not three, four, five times a day, if there was enough breaking news to warrant it. And this is where the title, A Ghost to Rival Hamlet's Father, came from. Because the sub-editor, or wh- whoever was writing the headlines for the paper that day, wrote A Ghost to Rival Hamlet's Father. Now, anyone who, who knows their Shakespeare will spot a mistake with this, because while there was a ghost of Hamlet's father in the play Hamlet, that was in a different part of the play. This is referring to the uh, very famous but often misquoted part where Hamlet holds aloft a skull and says, Alas, poor Yorick. That, That was the image they were referring to in the headline. But nevertheless, whether it was correct or not, that is how the ghost was given its name. The next morning, bang, this story hit the streets and Swansea went ghost bonkers. People were flocking to York Street. They were banging on the front door. They were trying to climb over the back wall. They all wanted to see where this ghost had been sighted. And they were not alone. Because I don't know if you've ever found skeletal remains in your garden. But what you should do is alert the police. Because something terrible might have happened there in the past. There might have been a crime, a murder. And so the police were very much interested in this story as well. They popped along to York Street, they interviewed every person who had been there that night, and they confiscated that piece of skull. They took that hard physical evidence back to 
to Swansea Police Station with them. Swansea Police Station at the time was in a building which is now known as the Guild Hall. They placed that skull on a shelf in the Guild Hall to be examined. Now, in the meantime, Swansea continued to go ghost bonkers. Mrs. Bond, as well as Mr. Bond, were becoming something of local celebrities now as a result of all of this. And there were rumours and all kinds of crazy explanations flying about the place. Until the police actually examined that skull. And they discovered something very interesting indeed, which brought the entire affair crashing to a halt. Because they discovered that skull, that part of a skull, did not belong to a human. It was part of a dog's skull. As such, they decided then and there this entire thing was one big hoax. Somebody was pulling their leg, they were not happy, and in no uncertain terms, those involved were told to put a stop to any talk of ghosts. Don't waste police time. The end. Now this for me is where things get quite interesting and unfortunately also get lost to time. Now, the journalist who had been there that night who, in effect, you could say, started this whole affair by writing these stories saying that I was there and I saw a ghost, was very quick to rubbish the entire affair. He wrote a very quick article ripping the entire thing to shreds. Maybe he was just trying to save his own skin, his own face. But his article was along the lines of what a bunch of thickos, there are no such things as ghosts, I knew that all along the end. Or was it? Well, if it was a practical joke, that would make it to my mind one of, if not the biggest practical jokes in Swansea's history. Everyone was fooled. The press were fooled. The police were fooled. The general public were fooled. Mr. and Mrs. Bond's nearest and dearest friends and family and neighbours were fooled. Every person was taken in by this story. And not one person afterwards put their hand up and said, ha ha, gotcha. If it was a practical joke, nobody admitted to it. Now, playing devil's advocate, the reason the police decided that this was rubbish is because that skull was a dog's skull. Now, who's to say that maybe that ghost didn't want them to find a dog's skull? Maybe that dog has some very important connection to whatever this ghost may or may not have been. Sadly, we will never know because the journalist with that stopped his particular reports on the subject and other newspapers very quickly wrapped up on it as well. And with that, the ghost to rival Hamlet's father came to an end. Or did it? Who knows, maybe somebody out there listening to this podcast has some more information on this case, which maybe came to light long after the Victorian period. Maybe you yourself have experienced something strange on York Street. Who knows? 
But as usual, if you have any thoughts on that story or any other weird story that you think might be of interest, get in touch. It's always great to hear from people. Drop me an email via the website or track me down on social media. It's quite easy to do. I'm on all, all the main ones. Just look for Mark Reese and Ghosts of Wales or something. I'll come out on top. And of course, there's the obligatory request at the end of every episode that if you have enjoyed this, please consider hitting the subscribe button. It is, I mean, it, it's great for you because that way you get to know when a new episode is released. Uh, and it's great for me because at least I know people are listening to this and I'm not just sitting here talking to myself. And with that, it just leaves me to say that if you do find yourself watching a film in View Cinema in Swansea at 11 o'clock at night and you hear a... Sneaked in one last special effect there. Three banging noises, then who knows, maybe the ghost to rival Hamlet's father is still haunting to this day. Thank you very much, Diolch and Varian. No star. <laughs>